Okay, you, you're making decisions. You make decisions if you're single on who you'll marry or if you'll marry. You make decisions on the career that you want to go into, the career you need to get out of and that you need to go to. Do you stay in Ruston? Do you move halfway across the world? Decisions, and I believe that most of you here this morning want to make the right choices because you make choices and then your choices make you. So this is huge. And I think people in general want to make good decisions. They know the significance of it. Uh, Brenda, my assistant this week, we did a little research on psychics and who uses psychics. And we found some interesting information that, that a typical psychic might charge you almost $200 an hour to tell you what's going on in the future and what you should do. Some of them, the psychic hotlines, charge $5.75 a minute for their advice. I will give you all the advice you want for $4 a minute. If you will come to my office, $4 a minute, I will, I will beat their price every time. Uh, and, and what's interesting is the psychics say that it's not just, it's not just poor people. It's, it's wealthy people. It's CEOs. It's people all over the spectrum because people want to know what they should do in the future and what the future holds. And obviously going to a psychic is dumb. If psychics were real, they would win the lottery every week, Correct. I mean, that, that's the best thing. Plus, the Bible condemns that, so it's, stay away from that. I want to give you a lot better option. I want to talk to you this week, like we did last week, and the next few weeks, about finding God's will for your life. And I said this, and I'm probably going to every week. After you become a Christian, I believe from experience, uh, from putting my hand in the fire and making bad decisions, making good decisions, watching other people, that after you become a Christian, if you could learn to pray and you can learn to study your Bible, and you get in a good church that's going to love you and teach you God's truth, the next most important thing in your life period is being able to discern God's will for your life in the many areas that you're going to be seeking Him and then to do it. Because how you obey God and His will for your life is going to determine your effectiveness, your happiness, your joy. Uh, everything is at stake on this. So that's our subject for the next few weeks. We're in the 32nd Psalm, if you have your Bible. If you don't, the Scriptures will be on the screen. And let's begin with this, kind of a review from last week. God has plans for your life. Now, I said this last week, but you've obviously forgotten it, I'm sure. But th th this is the crucial thing. God has plans. God has a will. God has direction for your lives. I'm not sure that word purpose is what we're looking for here. He, he does have purpose, but God wants to lead you in your life. Now you say, well, what, what if I'm young? If I'm fourth grade, fifth grade, seventh grade, does God have a, directions? Absolutely. What, some of you are saying, well, I'm, I'm old. Does God still have directions for my life? Absolutely. This psalm, the 32nd psalm, was written from God through King David. And, and the, the context of it is hugely important. This was a psalm written after David had literally split his britches with Bathsheba in 2 Samuel 11. You remember just real quick the story. David has an, uh, uh, commits adultery with one of his good men, his good buddy with, with, with her, his wife, and she gets pregnant. And then David has him whacked, killed, rubbed out, 
And he is, he, you know, has him murdered. And, and then David marries her, and then God knocks on the door and says, uh, I, I've seen everything that's happened. And then David repents, and this is that psalm that you see the repentance in here. And in the first seven verses, David's talking, but now God talks. Listen to what he says. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. So you're young today, you're old today. God has direction, wants to give you direction for your life. Now listen, young people, the quicker you get a hold of this and the more you do God's will when you're young, the less scars you're going to have on you when you get old. But the great news is if, if you're older David was certainly a middle-aged man, maybe a little older at this time. David had sinned horribly. So you say, well, I've, I've, I've blown it too bad for God to use me. Absolutely not. The only person God can't use and direct is the one that won't let him. So God, he says, I, I want to show you the way, the path, and the course that you should go. Now, if you're taking notes, I'll probably share this a few more times, but I want to give you kind of a, a real basic understanding of God's will uh, in three major categories. If we're going to def- split God's will into three categories, uh, here is a, here's a, a, a fairly decent overview. One is, is the absolute will of God. The absolute will of God was to create the world. The absolute will of God was to send Jesus to the world. The absolute will of God is for the second coming to happen again, and nothing's going to alter that. You do not need to pray for the second coming not to happen. It's going to happen. Jesus was going to come. Those are the absolute will of God that's going to happen. The second is, and and these are are loose terms, permissive will of God. The permissive will of God are things that, that God gives you just, you do what you want. When you go to Sonic today or wherever it is, don't spend a lot of time praying ketchup or mustard, ketchup or mustard, ketchup or mustard. God, show me what you want. Because if you're with me, eventually I'm going to squirt one of them on you so we can just get out of there. Unless you are allergic to ketchup or mustard, God does not care, right? And by the way, ketchup is the choice of normal sane people anyway, right? So there is the permissive will of God, things that, you know, you just don't have to, should I wear red pants or blue pants today? Josh cared, but God doesn't. Amen? Boy, that was terrible. I guess God, sorry, Lord, I've offended you with my demonic pants. Uh, <laughs> okay, permissive will of God, mustard or ketchup. Now, the, the last part is, is, is what I call the perfect will of God. That's what God wants for your life. That's what God wants for, for, for my life. That's what God wants us to do, but God gives us freedom. Remember in Joshua chapter 24, Joshua declared to the people, choose this day whom you will serve. Choose this day whom you, you'll serve. God's perfect will, who you marry, the career that, that you take, where you live, what you do with your life. God has a will and direction for you. And, and listen, you, you, can, you can ignore me. You, you, you can blow this off at your own peril, okay? Because you will sink your ship when you get out of God's will. I promise you, this is super duper important. So we're talking primarily about God's perfect will for your life, what God wants to do in your life. Philippians 4, 6, if you're taking notes, Philippians 4, 6 says, pray about everything. Isn't that exciting? Pray, pray about the big things. Pray about the little things. 
No, it says pray about everything. In other words, and I don't, again, think that's talking about mustard and ketchup, but that God wants to direct you. God, God wants to lead you, and he wants to guide you in all the areas of your life. God wants to guide you. It, it's, it's very interesting in the history of our country. Back in 1787, it was the Constitutional Convention, and our founding fathers got together trying to frame our country. And they'd met for five and a half weeks, and they came to a, a standstill. And Benjamin Franklin, we have a picture of old Ben there. Ben, who was not an overly spiritual person, describes what happened next. He said that they called for a season of prayer. They couldn't figure out what to do, so they stopped, and they, they prayed. And he said, after they prayed and sought God's direction for our country, it was like a veil was lifted off. And Franklin, again, not an overly spiritual person, said, I left there convinced that God directs and guides the plans of man. God, listen, God has a will for who you marry. God has a will for your marriage. God has a will for the church you belong to. God has a will for your career and where, where you serve. And the more you plug in to what God has for you, the happier and the more fulfilled that you're going to be. Listen, happiness and fulfillment is not about money. It's not about fame. It's about being in the will of God. Okay? God has a plan for you. Here's the second thing. God wants you to know his will. Honestly, how many of you have ever felt like God will not show me what he wants? Have you ever felt that way? I, I felt that way plenty of times. God, please show me. It's like he's a mean professor who's given you a test that he wants you to fail. Have you ever had a teacher like that? Young people, have y'all ever? Absolutely you have. You've had a professor like that. It was like they're teaching me so I can flunk. Isn't that? That's a great professor. I remember a pastor where, where Clay, uh, Clayton and Mary and I went to church and college. His name was, was Travis Odie, Dr. Odie. I remember him saying, this was 30 years ago, he said, God wants you to know his will. I thought, wow, it seems so hard. And I'll explain why it seems hard in a moment, but God wants you to know his will. God says in verse 8, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. Okay, why is it hard to know God's will? Well, some people just don't seek it. I mean, you, you can't go home today and spend one minute in prayer and say, God, show me who to marry. Show me what to major in. Show me uh, how, what, what I do in my marriage right now. Show me what I do with my finances. Uh, amen. God bless you. We, we don't invest a lot of time in it. The, the devil is extremely invested in you not doing God's will. You ever thought about that? So when you start seeking God's will, the devil is going to pull on you. He's going to fight you. He's going to confuse you. You... And I confuse ourselves, don't we? Because, see, God has a will, but I have a will too. Sometimes the greatest enemy you have is who? It's you. Because you think, this is what I want to do. This is where I'll be happy. This is where I'll be fulfilled. And God says, I know you better than you know you. This is my will. See, we fight God's will. The devil's fighting. We fight ourselves. Other people, you go home and you tell somebody, I feel like I'm going to break up with this person. It's not right. Oh, no. They're sweet. They're nice. They're, their parents have money. You need to marry them. Uh, you, you, you go, you, you decide you want your marriage to end and you don't have a biblical reason. You can find somebody that'll tell you you should do it because God wants you to be happy. Uh, you decide that you're going to take a career and you're going to move away from mommy and daddy. And unless mom and daddy are really mature and really good, they go, oh, no, you can't do that. You got to stay home close. You have to stay close to us. So finding God's will is hard because the devil fights it. You are stubborn. I am stubborn. And other people get in the mix. Even well-intended people who love us oftentimes have a hard time letting us go to God. Okay? So 
God has a plan. God wants you to know it. It is tough, so don't think you're weird. But here's the third great thing. God will reveal his will to you. God will reveal his will to you. In all these different areas, again, it's not like it's one thing. If you're a Christ follower, it's the many things in your life. Not a lot of us in this room, not some of us, but not a lot, are, are going to always be in Ruston, always at the same career. There's going to be challenges and, and pulls. And listen, God will reveal his will to you. Now, I want to share with you the, the neat things about this chapter and these verses. Verse, chapter 32 is called a masculine. If, you, if you're looking in your Bible at the top of it, you see that word there. That literally means instruction. This psalm is a particularly a teaching type of psalm. Now, all the Bible's teaching, but this is a particular instructive psalm. And look in verse 8. And if you're taking notes, you need to get this. I will instruct you. Listen to what the word instruct means. Man, this is exciting. It means to teach to have understanding. Isn't that great? See, God says, I will instruct you. I want to teach you to have understanding of what I want you to do. And then it it means not only that, but it means to have success. Here's what God says. I'm going to instruct you, if you'll let me, that you'll understand what to do, and I'm going to instruct you so you will be successful. Man, that is awesome, isn't it? I mean, that is, that really, that is just tremendous. He uses the word teach next. The word teach means to control our aim. Here's what God says. I've got, a, I've got directions for you, and, and I'm willing, if you are aimable, if that's a word, I want to point you the right direction. As an as a archer aims at a bullseye, Shannon Brown, you're my bullseye, uh, if, if, uh, if a, if a person with a rifle is looking at the target, they're aiming at the target. Here's what God says. This is so great. God says, I want to aim you in the direction you should go. God, who should I marry? God, what should I do with my career? Should I retire? Should I keep working? God, what do you want me to do? God says, let me be able to move you, and I will aim you in the direction you should go. Is that not great? God says, I'm going to instruct you To success, I will instruct you to understanding, and I will aim you in the direction you should go. Listen what you need to do. I believe this. You need to get a notebook or an iPad or whatever. And this needs to be something you keep with you the rest of your life as you pursue God's will for your life. I've got a notebook in my office. I've torn out papers from other notebooks that go back 20 years where I track how God's led me. And in, in this next week, as I begin to pray, plan and pray for things for our church and my life, I will, I will put at the top of the sheet of the paper these decisions, and then I will record as I feel God leads me over time. And it's really good to go back and look 10 years ago. This was a tough decision, but I followed God. It was right. Oh, 15 years ago, tough decision. I didn't follow God, and this was not good. This is such an important journey. I want to encourage you to begin to journal and to keep up with how God wants to lead you in your life and, and, and the way he will lead you. Now, let me show you four ways this morning. And in the next few weeks, we're going to take a sermon to go through these because these are that important. How does God reveal his will to us? Number one, it's through the Bible. It's through the Bible. Psalms 119, 105, it says, 
Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Folks, the Bible is God's most clear way of speaking to us. People say all the time, I want God to speak. I want God to speak. Read your Bible. That is God's word. This is the word of God. This is the word of God. And it's always accurate. On my phone, I have like four or five weather apps. How many of you have a weather app on your phone? How many of you are a little OCD like me and have several weather apps on your phone? You, you know what's interesting is they're different. Like one of them will say it's 70 in Ruston, another one will say 68. That's weird. One of them will say it's a 50% chance of rain in Ruston, the other will say a 40. Isn't that kind of odd? Weather people are the only ones that can be right 10% of the time and keep their job. Folks, the Bible is not a weather app. The Bible's always right. So, so listen, God's will for your life starts where the Bible begins. And any place God speaks, that's his will. You don't have to pray about it. You don't have to debate it. You don't have to argue it. Where the Bible is clear, that's God's will for your life and my life. Now, the problem is, is that there's a lot of things the Bible doesn't speak to. So here's the second thing. He speaks through the Holy Spirit. Now, there are some people, there's a, a theology called cessationism that believes that that the Holy Spirit doesn't speak, that, that God wrote the Bible and that's how he speaks. Well, if that's true, there's just a lot of things God's left us without leadership in. And I, I don't believe that at all. In fact, in John 16, you can read it when you get home. John 16, when Jesus was leaving, Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you guys as orphans. I'm going to send somebody just like me, that's the Holy Spirit, to live in you to God. You know, how many of you, if you would have been alive with Jesus and you'd have got to camp out with him and walk with him and talk with him, how many of you would have asked him about everything in your life? Hey, Jesus, who are you voting for? <laughs> Jesus, that, that uh, you know, that girl looks pretty good. What do you think about her? Uh-uh, uh-uh, no, no. Jesus, what about this career? You know, I would have asked him about everything. That hasn't changed, friend. No, the Holy Spirit will never lead you against the Bible. One of the craziest things I hear is God told me, God led me, and it goes flat against the Bible. That God didn't lead you. The Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. He's not going to contradict it. Amen? Very important. But there's a lot of areas that the Bible doesn't speak clearly to, and that's where he speaks to us through his Holy Spirit. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace, be thankful. The word rule there literally is the picture of an umpire. An umpire calling balls or strikes or safe or out. Now, we know an umpire or a referee can certainly be fallible, but the Holy Spirit is infallible. In other words, when he says not to do something or do something, he's always right. I love what Charles Stanley, pastor in Atlanta, said. Charles Stanley said, we're looking for the, we're listening for the audible voice. We want to hear God say, Wayne. And Stacy wants him to hear, give your wife more money. And how many of us would love to go outside and, and in the clouds it said, Russ Golden, put your mutual stocks here. Wouldn't that be good? I mean, that would be, that would be awesome. But Charles Stanley said, God lives in you as a Christian. He doesn't have to have your ear. He's got your heart. So how, when you're praying about a decision, the Bible's not clear about. You're dating somebody, and they profess to be a Christian, and they seem nice. 
but you have an uneasiness in your spirit about her. You're offered a job, and it's not like being a Christian meth dealer. I mean, it's clearly a, not a biblically wrong thing. It's, it's a good job, but you don't know whether you should take it or not. Here's, here's what, and again, two weeks from now, we're going to have a whole sermon on this. You're praying about something, and you feel a real uneasiness about that. You are crazy to move forward with it. Whether that means stop or that means wait. But just the opposite of that, man, there's been times I've prayed about stuff and I didn't want to do it. And I just felt this peace, this peace, this peace. It's like, God's going to make me do it. (laughs) Listen to the peace or the uneasiness in your heart. Some of you right now have got an uneasy spirit about some stuff. You need to get away from it. That's the Holy Spirit saying no. He speaks through the Holy Spirit. He speaks through others. He speaks through our pastors, our teachers, our ministers, our friends, our parents, our roommates. He speaks through other people. Now, always remember this. Nothing trumps the Bible. Then nothing trumps the Holy Spirit. So if your friend is super wise and they're super intelligent and they're telling you to do something that's against the Bible, friend's wrong. Listen, this is real important. You're praying about something, and you're talking to some of your close friends, and, and your friends are saying, well, this is what I, this just makes sense for you to do this. But in your spirit, the Holy Spirit is saying, no, 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 no. Always go with the Holy Spirit. Always go with the Holy Spirit. But God does use others. Here's the fourth thing. God uses open doors. Open doors. Now, this is really important, too. The door has to be open to go through it, correct? Now, Guys, I'm not going to pick on just our gender because I've heard it from girls, but I'll talk about us more. Through the years, I've had guys come to me and say, man, Chris, I think God's leading me to marry that girl. That's awesome. Y'all been on a date? Yeah, we went out twice. Okay, You got a real sensitive ear. (laughs) Took me longer, but uh, are y'all dating now? No, no. When's the last time y'all went out? Six months ago. What's the deal? Well, she won't go out with me anymore. She's got to say yes before you can marry her. Amen? This isn't Iraq. (laughs) Prearranged, you know. It's not. Well, I feel like, you know, I'm going to be the next senator of Louisiana. That's awesome. But if you don't get elected, it ain't going to happen. Correct? The door has to be open. Common sense. I have heard so many goofy stories, and I've heard so many preachers' goofy stories. But please write this down. The, one of the greatest mistakes in doing God's will is this. Well, the door opened. That had to be God. The door opened for Adam and Eve to eat the fruit that day. Every sinful and wrong thing you have done, the door was open. Correct? Read it when you get home, Acts 27. Acts 27, Paul, Paul was telling these guys, we don't need to put the boat out to sea. We don't need to put the boat out to sea. A wind started. They had sailboats. And they said, oh, the wind must be a sign. This is what we should do. They shipwrecked. And Paul literally said, nah, 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 to them too as they were floating around the sea. Do not blame it on God when the door opens and you do it and it's the wrong thing. You've got to have an open door, but the, the, the Holy Spirit and the Bible trump everything, okay? Now, here's a fourth thing. 
God wants to lead you in his will. See, it's not, he not just wants to reveal it. He wants to lead us in his will. He, God has a will. God has direction. God wants you to know it. God will reveal it. And God wants to lead you. Let me tell you in two ways. Number one, initially. In other words, that God's going to show you what, to, what you need to do, where you need to point the boat, where to take off where to go. God will initially show you, but this may be the most crucial thing once you get going, is God will lead you all the way through. Okay, here's what happens here. Doing God's will can be extremely tough. How many of you can say amen to that? Amen. Now, wait a second, preacher. It shouldn't be. I mean, you're following God. Shouldn't it just be easy and peachy? Uh, read Matthew 26 before the garden in the Garden of Gethsemane. And here's what happens. Here's what happens to me, and here's what happens to you. God says, this is what you need to do, okay? So you break up with that person you shouldn't be dating, or you, you turn down that job, or you take that job, or, and then you move. And then, I mean, you feel great because you're doing God's will, and then it's like, oh, my goodness. That other person's hurt, those people are hurt, your parents are mad that you moved, you're uncomfortable in the new town, and then you start doubting, then you go back, oh, maybe I did the wrong thing, maybe I shouldn't have done this. The devil is jumping in there, he's trying, the devil's author confusion, he's trying to confuse you, people are pulling on you, your kids are mad at you because you moved, and yada, 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 you understand, you understand, and so we quit. See, it's very possible to make a move to get in God's will, and then we throw up our hands and we get out of God's will. In, in, in uh, Colossians chapter 4, verse 12, listen to this great verse. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Jesus Christ, sends his greetings. Listen to this. He is always wrestling for you in prayer that you may stand firm in the will of God, that you may stand firm because what I've done in my life, what you've done, and what, what all of us are going to be tempted to do is we obey God, we get in his will, it gets hard, so we quit. Here's what he says in verse 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the ways you go. Last part of the verse, I will counsel you. That counsel literally means above you or over you. In other words, God's saying, I'm gonna, you're here. I'm, I'm walking with you. Then he uses the word, I will watch over you. It's literally the picture of eyesight. It's like someone saying, I'm going to keep my eye on you. That's not good if, if it's your parent or if it's a boss. But it's awful comforting if you're going into a dark situation and someone you love and who's strong and who's big says, look, I'm going to be right there beside you. My eye's going to be on you the whole way because eyesight, you've got to have proximity. That's what God's saying. God's saying, I'm going to start you on a journey. Obey me. Obey me. It's going to be hard, but I'm going to walk with you every step of the way. Isn't that great? Every step of the way. I want you to watch a video. This was uh, 1992. In the Barcelona Olympics uh, in Spain, and this is the 400-meter race, one lap around the track. The guy who pulls up is a guy named Derek Redmond, a British runner. And watch it, and then I will explain to you uh, kind of the story behind it.
That was his dad. Here's what his dad said later. He said, I got my boy running when he was little. I taught him how to run. I've been through almost all of his races with him. I helped get him to that point in life where he's running in the Olympics in the greatest race of his life. And he said, there was no way that I was going to stay in the stands and not help my son complete that race that I started him out on. Friend, when God points you in a direction, if you'll stay with it, if he's got to carry you part of the way, he will. Isn't that awesome? See, I, man, I know how hard it is to do God's will. But I also know God says, I will walk every step of the way, even when you're limping, with you through it. So here's the thing for us today. We've got to say yes. See, verse 8, verse 8 says, I will instruct you and to teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Look at verse 9. Won't be like the horse or the mule who has no understanding, but it's got to be pulled along by the bridle. You see, God has beautiful plans for your life and my life if we will follow them. Many years ago, a, a man was invited to preach in a, a huge African-American church in Memphis, Tennessee. And he was sitting up on the stage with uh, the ministers like we all used to do back in the day. And before the service started, they were, it was a spirit kind of, a, of, of prayer and there was music playing. And he began to hear people say, yes, Lord, yes. In different parts of the, the, the congregation, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, yes. And finally, he nudged the pastor beside him. He said, what are they, what are they saying yes for? He said, well... They're going ahead and telling God, whatever it is you're going to tell me to do today, I want you to know on the front end, my answer is yes, Lord, yes. Will that be yours and mine this morning? Let's pray. Christian, man, I pray this morning that your response to God is yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You're here this morning and you're not a Christian. I know that it's God's will. It's God's will for your life that you be saved. Would you pray? Would you pray with me this morning and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I, I, I want to turn from my sins. I accept your God's son and that you died for me, Jesus, and arose for me. Come into my heart this morning. And I give you my life, Jesus. Let me have your attention just for a second. We're going to stand in a moment.